box to box stoppage time. Can you believe it? For Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. And Hoyt's Herbs and Spices. Changing the mood of food. And this could be the most crucial goal of all. Hello and welcome to box to box stoppage time for 2024. Willem van Denderen with you. Joining me are Michael Edgley and Derek Dyson. And as always, we're here to bring you our best games, top teams, and hot topics from the first 10 days of the new year. Derek will bring you in first out there in Heelsville. And in the time we've been doing this stoppage time spin-off show in this format, if there's one game that has featured as our game of the week the most, and maybe it's because we get it three times a year, but I think it would have to be the old firm derby between Celtic and Rangers. And we got another cracking edition on the 30th of December. We, we certainly did, uh, Willem, and welcome back, by the way. Great to, to have you back on stoppage time. Um, yeah, the second old firm of the year. And look, even though Ange is gone, I still feel like we all still look at Scotland. We're looking at Ange's legacy, particularly at Celtic and how Brendan Rodgers is carrying that on. And well, so far he's done it with two wins over Rangers this season, including two different managers for Rangers. And of course, the new manager, the, the uh Belgian Clement uh, was on a 17-win unbeaten run that included winning a winning a, a trophy, the Viaplay Cup for Rangers. Um, Rogers came into this game under a bit of pressure. Celtic was stumbling a little bit with some kind of surprising draws. I think there was one at home in particular um, that was a bit of a surprise. But this one was no competition really. Uh, Celtic absolutely uh, dominated the game. Uh, Paolo Bernardo. Uh, put them in front with a with a half volley, a great strike, and then it was that man Kyogo Furuhashi who uh, whipped in another beauty uh, two minutes into uh, the second half, which really put um, Celtic in full control of this game. Rangers didn't help themselves uh, by going down to ten men. Um, uh, it was Leon Balligan who hauled down Maida as he was through on goal, and of course uh, James Tavernier got his. Uh, his typical goal. He seems to score in this picture for Rangers every time he plays. This set up a sort of tense finish, but even 11 minutes of frantic injury time, Celtic saw it out. They're now eight points clear of the summit. Uh, summit. But it, it should be said that Rangers do have two games in hand um, as they go to their uh, winter break. And, and look, um, Rangers had a lot of chances in this game. Hartman had to make a great save at, at 1-0 and there was some VAR controversy as well, Rangers feeling hard done by that they didn't get a penalty in this game too. So another classic um, old firm game. And look, I think there's a title race in Scotland. And I think Brendan Rodgers, despite this victory, uh, has still got a lot on his hands. And Clement is now, you know, 17 out of 18 in terms of wins. And I don't think they'll be too put off by losing at Celtic Park, Willem. I think uh, let's keep an eye on it. There were some fantastic goals in the game, Derek. And as I, I throw to you, Michael, for, for this one, Kyogo Furuhashi, perhaps we don't see enough of the Japanese players playing across the top five leagues in Europe. And we do, as Derek said, have a, a particular eye on Scotland um, post-Ange. But it is confounding that he is still in Scotland and not at the Asian Cup with Japan. And you can also consider that our Tanaka, uh, who scored against Spain at the 2022 World Cup, also isn't part of the squad. But it does really just continue to be a head-scratcher that Furuhashi, despite his prolific goals output for Celtic, can't crack that Japanese national team. It is, isn't it? Because he's always um, 
performing well in the big games. So I, I think it is a bit of a surprise. But having said that, Japan, the Samurai Blue, or Japan as we know them, they've got an almost entirely European-based squad that is uh, in the Asian Cup um, with only five of their players uh, playing their trade at, at the J-League clubs. Um, they do have some very good players playing in some very big leagues. So just maybe um, he might be on the fringe, but... Yeah, there is, uh, from our perspective anyway, isn't it, Willem? There is a bit of a question mark over why he would not be included considering his rich vein of form now for the past two seasons. We'll stay with you, Michael, for your game of the week. It was from the FA Cup, and we've had a, a really keen eye on Middlesbrough for the past, well, probably year or so now. Two of their Aussies are at the, uh, uh, they are in Qatar, but the third one uh, was in the thick of things against Aston Villa. It was. It was a, a great time zone for me over here in Bangkok. I watched the game. Um, just fantastic atmosphere at the uh, the Riverside venue for uh, Middlesbrough taking on a big Premier League club. And um, I always, this is the game of the week for me because it's all about Tom Glover. And you always are interested to see how A-League players, when they get their opportunity uh, in a big league, whether that's, uh, you know, the Championship, the Premier League, just how they transpose uh, their form. And Tom Glover, he was man of the match. Uh, Aston Villa defeated Middlesbrough 1-0 with a goal very late in the game. It was a deflection that Glover couldn't really do anything about, but his heroics during the match well and truly um, kept Middlesbrough in the game. Let's just have a listen to a little bit of it now. Dendonka, and now Bubakar Kamara with uh, John Duran once more. Good save by Tom Glover. Shoot on sight policy from the young Colombian striker there, John Duran. Bringing the save from Tom Glover, it was a decent stop. Certainly was a decent stop and it was one of many. Um, Glover, he was initially handed his opportunity following an injury to Middlesbrough's number one goalkeeper, Seni Dieng. Uh, and he started his sixth straight game in goals for Middlesbrough. Uh, now Dieng is away on international duty with Senegal African Cup of Nations. Glover's run in the starting lineup is set to continue. If he keeps putting in performances like that, he might hold his spot. Yeah, he, he looks like he might have stuck the move edge. It's such a difficult one. And I guess we now look at Joe Gauchi, who's 23, so three years younger than Glover. He's gone past him in terms of the national team. But the question now for Joe is, how do you leave the A-League? And as a goalkeeper, we've seen it with Matty Ryan, you, you have to play. Looks like Tom, having sat on the bench for the bulk of his first six months, might just have, uh, might just have made it stick. So yeah, as you say, he's well on his way and a little run ahead of him. 11 all told now. Uh, matches for Middlesbrough as we record. So, yeah, all the best to him. And, geez, he was stiff, wasn't it? I, I, I also saw this one and the goal right at the death. You could maybe be critical of his footwork, but you could also think, geez, he did really well to actually get pretty close to it. Where did you where did you sit on it? Oh, it's sort of a wicked deflection, wasn't it? I mean, it's one of those ones where he was expecting the ball to go completely the wrong direction. It ricocheted off a player and uh, just... Uh, you know, bobbled into the top, into the bottom corner. And as you said, he, he almost got there. He was incredibly angrily and disappointed. And the Middlesbrough fans were quite deflated considering how well they performed uh, against a, you know, a, a top flight Premier League club in Aston Villa. Yeah, the more I looked at it, I thought, geez, he's actually done done pretty well to almost get a, a fingertip to it. My game of the week comes from the A-League. Now, I've referenced this before, 
the greatest A-League podcast of all time, sadly, sadly no longer in production, Destruction in the Box, used to call the 10.30 Eastern kickoff time in Perth, the magical witching hour edge late on a Saturday night. You can always expect some bizarre things to go down at, uh, at NIB Stadium, as it used to be known. This one saw victory, unbeaten through 10 games, head over to Perth. But the question was, where were the goals going to come from without Bruno Fornaroli? At halftime, the score was one all. A banging goal through Adam Taggart, who probably shouldn't be there, Edge. He should be in Qatar but that's an issue uh, for another day. You know my thoughts on that. And then Zinedine Mashash, who's looking like one of Tony Popovich's better recruits, uh, leveled things up. So one all was the score at halftime, and so it remained up until the 82nd minute, and then things did get a little bit bizarre. Goals to a couple of kids, Eli Adams, a brilliant uh, strike, the goal that dreams are made of, Teo Palazzari called it, uh, and then for Perth to level up, Kalen Majekabdunmi, a 19-year-old defender on debut, looked like he'd rescued a point until the 92nd minute. Ben Falami, who I think, Edge, it probably would be fair to say, has maybe seen his development stall a little bit in this third season with the victory. Um, maybe hasn't quite had the output that he would have liked. Uh, hopefully, he's turned things around heading into uh, to 2024. He sealed the win uh, with a goal in the 96th minute. So that sees victory remain atop for another week. Uh, and Tony Popovich, I didn't quite think he had it in him. Um, Edge, we'll just quickly throw to you here before we bring in Derek for his team of the week. I think Popper, such strong, brilliant managerial methods sort of in his first incarnation 10 years ago. Been on the slide a little bit off the back end of his Perth stint and then last year with the victory. I didn't really think he had it in him, but he looks like he's just gone and recruited an absolute stack of options, particularly in that front half. Uh, and they're getting the business done for now. They certainly are. And look, you know, he had a horrible season last year, didn't he? I think the off-field turbulations at Melbourne Victory with uh, everything that happened with the the pitch invasion at that December derby and the you know the the ripple effect of that through the club for the rest of the season I just think it was an extremely difficult year for Melbourne Victory and there's a lot of excuses could be made as to why they performed the way they did but he has recruited well uh, he's kept the uh, the good ones he's as you said I think they probably have um, one of the deepest if not the deepest um, squad in the in the A-League and he, I expect them to be well and truly in it at the pointy end and no I don't um, subscribe to Popper's on the slide I think he's uh, an outstanding coach and um, I think if he takes out this title uh, and gets a crack with them in Asia next year um, we, we might just see the best of Tony Popovich yet. Now, Derek, I mentioned that we talk a lot of old firm in stoppage time. We don't often talk, as we turn our attention to the team of the week, a lot of Golden Lion. Yeah, absolutely. I threw this one at the last minute. I was going to stick in Scotland, but then the team I'd picked ended up, ended up losing overnight. So I, I changed it this morning, but I think it's with, uh, with good reason, because Golden Lion, you may not have heard of these guys, but they're from Martinique. And the reason I picked them is because they've just completed an eight thousand mile round trip to go and comp compete in the French Cup in the uh, round of 64, the last 64. So they travelled 8,000 miles and they lost 12-0 to Lille uh, in the end. So Golden Lion uh, play in the sixth division of the French League and they play in a regional league, a, a kind of Caribbean um, league and uh, they are able to access this tournament if they win certain games but geez it's a lot it's a long way to go to um get your asses handed to you by a a, a league uh, side they, they conceded seven goals before half time including four in nine minutes at the end of the at the end of the first half uh, hat tricks for 
Canada striker Jonathan David, who um, some our listeners may be familiar with, and a guy called Enon uh, Edon Zagrova, um, were in amongst the the dozens of uh, goals. Uh, Martinique itself is uh, a population of just over three hundred and fifty thousand in the Lesser Antilles in the Eastern uh, Caribbean um, Sea. Uh, they did have the international goalkeeper for Martinique, uh, Gilles Misselen in goal, but we can uh, hardly blame him. He couldn't stop the five-time Martinique champions uh, from conceding those 12 goals, and, and they didn't actually have a shot on goal either. So Lucas uh, Chevalier of Lille, the goalkeeper, could have got the deck chair out and, and read the newspaper. It was it was so one-sided. But I'll give you uh, a, a little bit of... Um, a light note at the end, the Lille players did form a guard of honour for the Golden Lion players at full time uh, to clap them off the pitch. So I think that was a pretty classy mood move from Lille uh, and fair play to the Golden Lions, but it would have been a long old trip back to the Antilles uh, with their tails between their legs. Yeah, so that long old trip equates to 6,785 kilometres. So they've beaten the distance derby. Wellington to Perth is 5,255, but they haven't quite beaten the longest one, which I've been able to find from 2018 in Russia. Baltica Kaliningrad, Derek, travelled over to Luk Vladivostok, right over on the uh, the east coast of Russia near, uh, near South Korea, and that comes in at 10,365 kilometres. And that was a nil all draw. So at least the uh, the Golden Lion fans, if they did manage to travel, saw a few goals, if only uh, in the opposite onion bag. Throwing back to you, Edge, the team of the week, Western United in the men's, stinking it up, awful, in the women's, flying. Absolutely. Um, I had to include them here because when you looked at this match on paper, Western United versus uh, Melbourne Victory, and with Melbourne Victory's stockpiled um, current and former Matildas, Lydia Williams, uh, Emma Checker, uh, Elise Keller Knight, Alex Chidiak, not to mention um, um, the former Matilda Emma Checker, uh, oh, not to mention, sorry, their captain Kayla Morrison, who's probably one of the best defenders in the league. Well, on the paper, you thought, well, victory will uh, be able to get over the top of Western United, who had um, some very good NPL players making up the primary uh, part of their squad, including two players that are absolutely starring for Western United, the Taranto Twins, um, who've come out of uh, the Western United Calder partnership um, and and they are playing their best football ever and they absolutely put Melbourne Victory to the sword. It was 4-0 um, uh, before Melbourne Victory's Rachel Lowe got a goal back at the end of the match. But um, one player really stood out and uh, I think there'll be a lot of inches dedicated towards Chloe Legazzo over the next uh, few weeks as we as we sort of drive towards the Matildas name in their squads for the Uzbekistan away leg and home leg. Chloe Legazzo is starting to put together a very, very good patch of form and maybe, maybe she could be uh, back in that forward lineup um, or amongst those forward players now that Sam Kerr has gone down. So uh, Western United um, unexpectedly put Melbourne Victory to the sword and just on Melbourne Victory, Pressure's on, Willem. They've lost three in a row. They're sitting in seventh outside the top six. They've got one of the most heralded squads in the A-League women's competition. They've got arguably the best coach in the A-League women's competition. I just wonder if he's feeling the pressure. Mm, interesting. I was going to ask you about 
Jeff, but it's almost a, a sacred topic. He's, he's been there for so long. He's been so successful that uh, Jeff Hopkins, the manager, you almost sort of don't question it. You, you back his ability to, to refresh and, and renovate and always get something going again. But uh, yeah, it hasn't been... Uh, well, been his the... problem is the senior players, the players that he recruited to be the nucleus of the team, the, the former and current Matildas, uh, they've not been in good form. They've been struggled. Um, their younger players are going okay, but um, they were really shown up against the Western United who really, other than Chloe Lagazzo, uh, Hilary Beale in goal, obviously we know how good she was. She was the goalkeeper of the season last year in the A-League women's competition, but um, you know, that they've got two good bookends, but the rest of the team is primarily NPL in Victoria. So, um, yeah, very interesting result. Uh, I would also like to mention, yeah, great to see the smile on Chloe Legazzo's face after the last sort of 12 months that she's had the injury, missing the World Cup. She did press with Channel 7 throughout and was excellent and then, you know, got pretty emotional as the team did so well. So uh, she's only 29, so I think there is absolutely... Uh, a denouement to her Matilda's career to come in the green and gold. My team of the week is not so much of the week, but more uh, a tip of the hat to the second half of 2023 and certainly uh, flagging a watch for the first half of 2024. This is the club of my Opa, so there's a bit of it in the blood, PSV Eindhoven. Uh, they are currently playing under Peter Boss. They've played 16 and won 16 in the Dutch Eredivisie so far this season. They're 10 points clear of Feyenoord uh, at the winter break. The season about to recommence for the second half. So they're currently one shy of their own record. They won 17 matches straight in 1987-88. And that, for PSV fans, is a pretty special year. Uh, they won the treble, and that included the European Cup, the Champions League equivalent at the time, uh, and the Netherlands won the Euros as well. Uh, so I've been yeah, mixing with some extended family down in uh, in the south of the Netherlands, and they're pretty excited about uh, the run that they are on as they look towards title number 25. So that 17, uh, that run of 17 wins is PSV's record. Ajax hold the record all told in the Netherlands with 19. Uh, and PSV resume their season against Excelsior on Sunday. And they've also drawn Dortmund in the Champions League. That's the team they wanted edge. That's actually not that far away geographically. So there's an exciting away day coming up um, for, for PSV fans as well. So yeah, 16 from 16 thus far, blowing teams away uh, as Ajax under the leadership of John van Skipt and Michael Valkanis. Uh, they've actually clawed their way back to, to fifth. But yeah, this is absolutely a season where... Uh, the rest of the season's a little bit over. Uh, the rest of the country's a little bit over PSV. Uh, so yeah, certainly one to uh, to keep an eye on in the first half of the new year. Uh, we'll throw it back to you, Derek. Alex Scott uh, has been tearing it up at Bournemouth, and there's a, a particular reason as to why you have your eye on this youngster as well. Thanks, Philip. I wanted to see. I wanted to see something positive actually. I just reserved the hot topic for something to have a real whinge about. So I wanted to do something more positive this week. And Alex Scott, who is a really good prospect at, at AFC Bournemouth. I know how excited you guys get when you see an Aussie doing great things in, in Europe. And the equivalent uh, for me is my home, uh, my old home island of Guernsey uh, in the Channel Islands, uh, the the, uh, um, the islands are sitting off the coast of France, but a, a British territory where, where I lived uh, in my youth. Uh, I think most of us know about Matt Letizier being from Guernsey and, and was he's clearly um, still the the greatest player that the island has ever produced. But um, Alex Scott recently signed from uh, from Bristol City to Bournemouth. He scored his first goal recently for Bournemouth in the Premier League. Uh, he's an under twenty international. 
2023 uh, in the championship. Um, Scott uh, won the player of the season um, for for Bournemouth. Uh, Guardiola described him as a an unbelievable player um, when Man City uh, were playing Bristol City. And I know Pep Guardiola calls everyone an amazing player, but I think when when he when he does call you that, I think that's something to be um, to be celebrated. A lot of teams started um, sniffing around, but it was was Bournemouth that came in with the twenty five million dollar pound sorry fee, um, making him the most expensive Guernseyman ever. Um, there is a bit of the Grealish about him actually. He has his, he's bustling, he's a midfielder, his socks are around his calves, calves. he's quite kind of quite um a sort of a low centre of gravity, eye for a goal. So look, I think it's well to let the box to box um audiences know to keep an eye on this player. Uh look, he's not the only person from Guernsey uh, tearing up in a top league in the UK at the moment, because some of you may also know Maya Letizia, who plays currently plays for Manchester United ladies. Uh, she's a fantastic player. She was on the fringes of the England squad that was due to come here for the World Cup. Was was on standby actually. Didn't quite make the uh, make the twenty three in the end. And then another Guernsey forward, Jack Griffin, uh, has joined Bristol City's academy. There's a pipeline there for uh, players to go to to Bristol City. So that was a good move for him as well and we were talking about martinique and it's three hundred and fifty thousand uh, uh population well guernsey has sixty thousand. so you know to produce um a couple of star players in the men and the women's game is, is a great achievement for a small island and and uh says says much for the the game there so that just wanted to indulge myself a little bit there Willem. look at alex scott no, nice one, Derek. That is a, a rosy start to 2024. And just you wait for my hot topic in a moment. You'll be beside yourself when that comes around. But Derek, uh, but Edge rather, um, do we have concerns around one of our own uh, wonder kids? Well, you talk about um, a hot topic. This is a white hot topic on soccer Twitter. Uh, very interesting. Alex Robertson, obviously a lot. Robertson or Robertson before you go any further? Well, my mother's name is Robertson. And okay. uh, she always taught me to say that it was Robertson. But uh, Robertson? It could be Robertson or Robertson. We'll we'll call it Robertson for the for the moment. But what's interesting about this, Willem, is an eagle-eyed social media follower saw that Alex Robertson or Robertson had deleted off his Instagram account all of the pictures of him playing for Australia, and obviously uh, that gained a fair bit of organic uh, traction. In fact, it went went through soccer circles Australian football social media circles like wildfire and obviously people drew the conclusion that maybe Alex had changed his mind because despite uh, making his debut for Australia against uh, Uruguay uh, sorry against uh, Ecuador in the friendlies he's still eligible to represent either Scotland Peru or England and he's not nailed on to Australia despite announcing that he would play for Australia um the actually intrigue got a little bit deeper when in a press conference uh, leading up to the Asian Cup, Graham Arnold was asked about this and he said, well, don't believe everything you see on social media. Uh, and then when pressed a bit harder, he actually confirmed that Robertson had called him two days before the press conference to confirm that he was going to play for Australia. Obviously, Robertson wasn't selected in the Asian Cup squad. Um, interesting that he wasn't selected considering he'd been involved in... Um, most of the squads leading up to that. 
and obviously he would be a huge part of the Ollie Ruse program going forward as well. So um, Alex Robertson, who there is massive raps on, um, owned by Manchester City, loaned out to Portsmouth. He's having a fabulous year in partnership with Cassini Yengi. So dear, oh dear, uh, yeah. Willem, do we read anything between the lines and all of that? Well, possibly. You'd think that he would have been in the senior Asian Cup squad, probably at the expense of Patrick Yazbek, except Arnold has spoken about how he's working with Tony Vidmar with those um, Olympic qualifiers coming up. And the um, basically, they, they can't pick, or they, they won't pick an under-23 player for both because that's really going to piss off the clubs, right? So they're not going to take Alex Robertson away for the Asian Cup and then also for, uh, for the Olympic qualifiers later on. Um, Alessandro Sakati probably in the same boat there. If that's opened up a little window for Robertson to maybe get a little bit disappointed if they've gotten a bit cute with it and that gives him an option to then leave the Socceroos set up um, and commit elsewhere, that would be that would be hugely disappointing. So I'm not sure if we can... Wouldn't it be you, tragic? You get where I'm coming from? You have to ask the question why he deleted all of those posts. Why would you do that? That is strange, yeah. Not, yeah, I, not. I think that's the missing bit of information that uh, the journalists, I mean, the obvious question, follow-up question of Graham at the press conference would have been so, Graham, did you ask him why he deleted the posts? Mm. I wonder what the answer to that would have been. We'll round out with my hot topic, and this is one that's been pulled out of the freezer and reheated many times. It is the Western United Stadium. But some good news this week, John Stenschult and Joey Lynch independently reporting that 2026-27 is the new timeline, the latest timeline, uh, to see the club move into their stadium and precinct facility uh, in Tarnit. That, of course, was at the heart of the bid that saw them win another licence in December 2018. So the latest news is that Western Melbourne Group have struck a deal with Johnson Controls, valued on the New York Stock Exchange for $56 billion Australian. Uh, and they've already done a little bit of work in and around Melbourne's West on residential housing and commercial development. Uh, and they are the latest crew, if you like, group that will hopefully see this $2 billion project through. Um, let's also not forget the the good news there. Um, Jason Sarasis, the man who fronts Western United, still pretty confident that they're going to be playing at that 5,000-seat training facility by March this year. And just a quick one to you, Edge, to close. On the pitch, they have been a bit of a, a disaster. You could point to the fact that they've been nomadic. I think Drifters was the headline in, in Joe Lynch's article on ESPN. But at the same time, they've won a title under that, um, under that, under his management and also under that sort of setup. So it's, it's, it's half an excuse. Is that maybe giving Johnny a, a stay of execution until at least March when they can get into to Tarnate proper? Yeah, I think um, the chairman's come out and said that uh, uh, John Aloisi is the man for them, that uh, they are backing him to work through the current tribulations and trials that they're having. Uh, they're really bottoming out, aren't they? They've been um, pretty disappointing. Um, yeah, so I, I don't think they will move on Aloisi. I think he's an important part of just everything they're doing in terms of the club's uh, position and brand and also... You know, you rightly say it wasn't long ago he was holding up the trophy. So let's just see what happens. I think the focus for this club is to really get some games in that training facility, which they want to do before the end of this season and um, get get playing out there. Look, I've got to say it's a massive deal. It's a groundbreaking deal. Look, let, let's hope it all goes through without any problems. Obviously, it's only $50 million, which is enough to sort of get um, things at the soccer facility sorted out and enough money to, you know, further develop the infrastructure. And then they will start to sell lots of land out there and um, and they'll start the planning on 
the developing and commercialising the surrounding region for a new suburb of Melbourne, which, you know, if you read the newspapers about the housing crisis is um, much, much needed. So it's an incredible strategy that they've put together. And the deal is, it is unique, groundbreaking, and, you know, Western United at the heart of everything, and it could set them up forever. So I do wish them all the best. Um, I think there's some fair criticism uh, shunted their way about this has taken a long time to come to fruition. I think they promised the stadium a couple of years ago. Having said all of that, there was a little thing called COVID that they had to um, navigate in the middle. Derek, March 24, you'd have your tickets booked for that initial game at Tarnit? Well, absolutely, Willem. Um, you may not have uh, heard me talking about Western United on this show, and I think in this segment a couple of weeks ago, I was bemoaning the terrible attendances at uh, Amy Park and questioning why on earth they were playing their games out there. So yeah, clearly they need to make that um, that home base a fortress. Um, so yeah, I'll, you know I'll be there with uh, with my cat with my tent camping out for the tickets. Just a quick question for young Derek. I know that you chose Western United when you uh, became an Aussie. Um, have you got the Google Maps out and just charted the the uh, the drive between Healesville and Tarnit? Yeah, it's not it's not too local. I think I started following them before I moved to Hillsville. But yes, I suspect I'll have to head through um, uh, Kangaroo Ground and Dymo round to the uh, the Ring Road, and then head across uh, to the west from there. So yeah, it's going to be a going to be a bit of a drive. Well, it brings it close to stoppage time for another week. Thank you, as always, to Adam Maloney on the buttons and to you, the listener, for your company. Rob Gilbert will be back to guide the ship on the main show on Monday evening. Hopefully, the Socceroos will have three points in the bag at the Asian Cup by that point. Until then, please do remember to like us on Facebook, follow us on X at Box2BoxNTS, and enjoy our written content at Box2BoxNTS.com. Tell your friends, and we'll speak to you again shortly as we go from one end of the pitch to the other in the world game.